0: How are we doing tonight? We good? Thank you, ma'am. Guys, it's been a while, huh? Some of you are like, nope, I've never seen you before in my life. Well, hey, you guys can take a seat. While you do that, shake a hand, give a hug, give a kiss, whatever's appropriate. We got security watching, so make sure it's appropriate. My name's Connor, I'm one of the pastors here at YA, I also lead, thank you, I also lead our incredible volunteers, why don't you give it up more for the volunteers? All I'm saying is, if you're looking for a way to get plugged in, meet some incredible people, serve on an incredible team, you're missing out if you haven't signed up to serve in one of the areas we have available with our volunteers. And so volunteers, we love you guys. I know I say this all the time, but I mean it. We genuinely couldn't do this without you. So thank you so much for all the hard work you put in to make this thing happen. Hey, is it anybody's first time here at Young Adults tonight? Anybody's first time? We got one. No, I see a couple of hands popping up all over the place. Hey, I wanted to take a minute and just say welcome Um, Here at Red Rocks and at Young Adults, you do not have to believe necessarily what we believe to belong. But we will unapologetically talk about Jesus Christ because we believe that he's the Lord of the universe. We believe that he's the only way to have a relationship with God. And we believe, uh, whether you're open to it or not, that he wants to have a relationship with you and show you how good he is and how kind he is and how much he cares about you and loves you. And so if it's your first time here tonight, we wanna say welcome. We hope that this feels like home to you. We are kicking off a new series a mini-series like on TV, like little mini-series. We're kicking off a series on the Holy Spirit. How many people are pumped to hear about the Holy Spirit? Now I know that for some of you that grew up in more of a conservative church tradition or background, when, when the person of the Holy Spirit gets brought up there could be some baggage attached to that. There could be uh, somebody you know, or, or maybe when you hear the Holy Spirit, sort of the first couple things that come to mind are people who wave flags or run up and down the aisles. Maybe when you hear the Holy Spirit, you think about people that speak in some type of unknown heavenly language. Or maybe when you hear about the Holy Spirit, you think of people that fall down on the floor and have to have little modesty blankets put over them. I get that. Or maybe you're in here and you grew up in, a, in more of a charismatic or Pentecostal background. And when you hear about the Holy Spirit, you've got some stuff that comes to mind. Maybe what comes to mind is people that wave flags or people that run up and down the aisles or speak in unknown languages or fall on the floor and have modesty blankets. <laughs> but I can assure you tonight that the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's supernatural, but he's not weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. We can sometimes make the Holy Spirit weird, but he's not weird, but he's supernatural. And I believe that if God's church is gonna thrive, And I believe that if God's church is going to continue to take ground, I believe that as us, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ is going to continue to move forward, is going to continue to take ground, is going to continue to reach lost and broken people with the most amazing message in the world, which is God is real. And he showed up and he came here because he loved you and you can have a relationship with him. If we're going to have a faith that has any ounce of power, I believe God's church now more than ever desperately needs a revelation on who the Holy Spirit is and why we need to be so dependent on Him. A couple weeks back, I was praying and I was asking God, what do I, what do I speak on? I, I, I've been out for a little while. I've been on vacation. No, we've had a bunch of guest speakers come and pour in and, and share their hearts with, the, with our group. And I've had some time to really pray and study. And I've been asking God, like, what should I share on? What what, what do our people need to hear? What's going to push people further? What's going to take people to, to a different level? I'm tired of meeting Christians that have, have been walking with God forever, but have been in the same chains, the same bondage. the same problems they've been in their whole life. Jesus, we need a revelation of who you are. God, we need to see a side of your character that's going to take us further. And I distinctly remember hearing God say, get to know my Holy Spirit. He said, Connor, I need you to teach on my Holy Spirit. And I was just like, well, what do people need to hear? Like, what do people need to know about your Holy Spirit? And I felt like God told me this. He said, my people need to realize the power that they have access to in me. See, every Christian, every believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have access to the Holy Spirit. And so our situation, our problem, it's not an access problem. You have access to God, but I think where the problem lies is we have an awareness problem of what we have access to. We have an awareness of what is readily available to us at any moment. And here's an example. You could live your whole life broke. How many people in here know what it's like to be broke? I know what it's like to be broke. Still kind of broke, but whatever. Um, I know what it's like to be broke. You could spend your whole life broke, struggling to pay your bills, wondering where your next meal is going to come from. And out of nowhere, you could have access. Maybe somebody just gives you millions of dollars and an infinite amount of money in your bank account. And your bank account now has tons of zeros behind it. You have access to millions of dollars. But if you are not aware of what you have access to, you will spend your whole life stressing out about bills, living with anxiety, having a poverty mentality when the entire time you have access to infinite amount of money to take care of your problems. And we as the church, we don't have an access problem. We have an awareness problem of what we already have access to in the Holy Spirit. God with us. And I believe from the bottom of my heart that an awareness to what we already have available is what will lead us to operate in a greater level of power and freedom than we've ever known before. Because we have access to the greatest power in the known universe, the creator of the world, the one that hovered over the chaos of the sea when God spoke. He carried out the word of the Father and created everything. He created us. He breathed life into us. The Holy Spirit of God, God himself dwelling inside of us. And so tonight, I'm going to lay all my cards out on the table for you um, about what this series and what tonight is going to be about. My goal tonight is not to fully explain the Godship of the Holy Spirit and his role in the Trinity and how he is a separate but equal part of God and they operate as one unit. I think if anybody believes they can perfectly explain to you the Trinity, they have no idea what they're talking about. So that's not what I'm here to accomplish. I don't want to. I'm not able to fully explain who the Holy Spirit is, or what He does, or even how He operates. The Bible says that God's Spirit. He doesn't have a body. He's He's everywhere at all times. He knows everything that's going on. Like, how do you even begin to like fully explain a God, a Spirit like that? And my goal tonight isn't even to go over His gifts. Of prophecy or speaking in tongues or or healing or miracles, although I personally believe that all those are real, I believe they're relevant, and I believe they're available for us today. My goal is not to leave you guys with a a greater theology necessarily of the Holy Spirit, but here's my goal in laying this foundation of the Holy Spirit tonight is this, that hopefully you go home and you want to get to know the Holy Spirit more that you go home and and you don't just study the Holy Spirit. You don't just read about the Holy Spirit, but you talk to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God and he's not just a subject to be studied or or a person to, to read about and learn about. He's a God to be known that lives inside of you. And so my prayer is that after tonight, you get inspired to go out and just see and and interact with and talk to this Holy Spirit, who's the greatest gift God's given to his church. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump in. Nice transition, right? Like if you have your Bibles, open to John chapter 16. John 16, we're going to start in verse 5. If you don't have your Bible, steal one from the local Christian store or look up at the screen. It's not a sin to steal a Bible. Maybe, I don't know. John 16, starting in verse five, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says this, but now I am going away to him who has sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. This is Jesus talking. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people don't believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to my father where you can no longer see me. And about judgment because the prince of the world, the enemy, the devil, is now standing condemned. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than I can even bear now, or more that you can bear now. But when he The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes. He will guide you in all truth. He's not going to speak on his own, but he's going to speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive all that he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I say the Spirit will receive from me what he will then make known to you. Can we take a minute and pray? and then we're gonna jump into this. Father God, we need your spirit. God, we are desperate for your spirit. And as Jesus said that it was better for him to leave. That's so weird for us to read, it's so weird for us to hear, but you're saying that, hey, in 2019, the plan that I have for my church, the plan that I have for my people, is that they would have God not just around them, but God inside of them, the Holy Spirit dwelling and living and moving inside of them. And so, God, we pray that tonight we would make room in our hearts for what you want to do. Holy Spirit, I've been praying all week that you would prep hearts already for what you want to say. God, I pray that you use my broken and my flawed words to speak life, to speak encouragement, to speak truth about who you are and what you can do and what's available for your church. Lord Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 So, guys, I want to share a story with you about my very first fight. My very first fight that I got into. Anybody? Has anybody been into a fight? Okay, awesome. Bunch of violent people in here. Um, (laughs) Growing up in high school, um, there were two distinct places that you would go if you wanted to fight. The first place was you would go to the parking lot of a public park that would back up to the tennis courts of the school. Now, the reason you would go there is because it was like a 30-second walk from the school, but it was technically off-school property. And so if you got into a fight, you couldn't get suspended from school. You could just get in trouble with the police. The second place that you would get into a fight would be during football season. As in Virginia, football's a way of life. Like Remember the Titans? Um, no, but in Virginia, football is like a really big deal, and uh, you would get into a fight on a Friday night under the lights behind the bleachers while the varsity team was playing. And now I played football, but as a freshman, I was on the freshman team, and freshmen played on Saturday mornings after the varsity team played Friday night. But you would have to go to the games and at least attend and, and dress in your you know school jacket or whatever and be there to support the people that never cared about you, the se- the seniors. Um, <laughs> And so my very first fight, here's what happened. I was a freshman, and I was dating a girl my age, and there was a senior who took a liking to her. And for whatever reason, at parties and at school, he would, I don't know, text her, go up to her, talk to her, and she was like, no, listen, I'm dating this guy. He's super handsome, super gifted. I can't. I'm in a relationship with Connor, and for whatever reason, this guy um, thought that the best way, you know what I'm going to call this guy, his name's Colby, I'm just being honest, his name's Colby, Colby, I hope you're watching this, you're a jerk, no, (laughs) kidding, kidding, I don't have baggage, what are you talking about? Um, so this guy, like, thought that obviously the best way to settle this would be to threaten to beat me to a pulp because I'm dating a girl my age while he is about to graduate. So who's the weird one, you know? Like, So Colby is like, hey, it was like a Monday or a Tuesday. He's like Friday night, behind the lights, behind the bleachers, under the lights, behind the bleachers, me and you, we're going to fight over this girl. And what can you do as a freshman? Like, I was like, yeah, I'll be there, even though inside I'm, like, dying. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like... What is going to happen to me? And so the week is progressing and you know how high school is like rumors get out and like his his boys are like walking through the hallway like man Friday like you're done and me and my little <laughs> freshman friends are like oh you don't even know what's coming to you and like <laughs> even though inside we're like has anybody been in a fight we're like no <laughs> All right, we'll figure this one out. So so we set a date, Friday night, halftime of the football game is when all the fights normally happen. And Friday night comes, uh, you know, the second quarter is counting down, and I've got my crew with me, my boys, and I am, like, embracing this fight that's about to happen where I know, for a matter of fact, I'm going to lose because as a freshman, you're a child, and as a senior, you're a grown man, and so (laughs) it's, it's like a kid fighting an adult, like, But I go there. I'm like, I know that I can't like back down. I got to defend the honor of my girl that I don't even talk to anymore. That like you know ninth grade relationships are like not even real. But like, I got to defend her honor. I got to be a man. I got to fight. And so I roll up with my crew, and there was this guy named Jim. That's not his real name. I'm gonna protect his name because he's a great guy. But um, (laughs) so Jim was with me, and Jim had been in a handful of fights before. And Jim was like, hey, man, you got to do this. But if anything goes wrong, I got your back. And Jim had two older brothers. Um, And he was telling me this, but because I was so panicked and had so much adrenaline, it didn't process what he was saying. But Jim was like, hey, my brothers are in town. Now, his brothers were about a year or two out of high school. And I don't know the right way to say this, but his brothers, they lived in D.C. They were visiting to watch uh, Jim and I. Did I say his real name? I feel like I just slipped up and said his real name. They were here. To watch Jim and I play our Saturday morning football game. And Jim's brothers were um, undercover, uh, how can I say this, medical practitioners on the street that the cops were not too fond of being medical practitioners. And they also really thrived in community on the street that cops were not too fond of. These are his brothers. But I'm like, I heard it and I was like, okay, glad your brothers are here. Like, great, you know? And so I'm walking up, I walk up this little hill, I get behind the bleachers, And just like, you know, in high school, or maybe this isn't your high school, but everybody was, like, circled up, and Colby was with his friends, and they were, like, hyping him up. And I don't know why, but literally I can close my eyes, and I distinctly remember this. I remember Colby, like, he was, like, looking at me like this and just, like, walking back and forth, and he was, like, saying every name in the book to me. He was, like, cussing at me, like, saying everything, and I'm, like, standing there with my friends, and I'm, like, okay, yeah. Inside, I'm, like, dying. I'm just, like, oh, this is going to suck, but, like, whatever. I got to do it. And my plan was to go in there to like charge and just close my eyes and swing as hard as I can (laughs) and just see what happens. You know, like maybe I land and I look awesome, 99% chance that I'm like just going to get the crap beat out of me. And so I like, I'm standing there, like people are circling in, you know, he's like calling me out and I I like step up and I'm just like, all right, like here we go, like here goes nothing. Like I got to act cool in front of my friends and He says something. I can't even remember what he says. He says something that triggers my friend Jim and his two brothers, so much so that as I take a step forward, I'm grabbed and thrown backward by my friends. And and the two medical pharmacists that run the streets start to beat the living crap out of this guy for me. And all of his friends just scatter and like run for the hills. And I win my very first fight without ever throwing a punch. I won my very first fight without ever lifting a finger. I actually moved backwards and won my very first fight. How did I do that? I was outmatched in every way. I was a child. He was a man. He was bigger than me. He was stronger than me. He had more friends that were like ready to throw down and had been in fights than I had. Like, how did I win this? I, I shouldn't have won it, but I had access to a power that I was not aware of in Jim's older brothers. I had access to power that I had no idea was there. And listen, I think there are hundreds of Christians that give their life to Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus, and they, they have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, but they never, they're never, they never aware of the access of the power that they have. They accept Jesus into their life, and they start living this purposeless, weak, unattractive, faith-filled life because they have access to so much power. They're just not aware that it is available. They're not aware of what it means to have the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living and dwelling inside of you. You have access to so much power on the inside of you and it is the Holy Spirit And I think there is this weird thing that happens when we become Christians, where we think that once we say yes to Jesus, and once our eternity is sealed, God kind of like, he saves us, he seals our eternity, and then he just kind of leaves us alone to figure this life out until we either die or Jesus comes back. There's this weird mentality, and maybe we wouldn't say that, but I feel like, myself and a lot of us in here we live this way to where once Jesus died on a cross was raised again and ascended to heaven he kind of like waved at us as he was going up there and was just like you guys will figure it out and I'll see you later but that's not what happens listen if you cannot save yourself If you cannot become a Christian on your own, if you need God to intercede on your behalf to become a Christian, what on earth makes you think that you can live as a Christian on your own? If you can't become a Christian on your own, why do you think you can live as a Christian on your own? If you need God to become a Christian, you need God to be a Christian. You need God to live as a Christian. And God, Jesus, has done just that. He's given us his Holy Spirit to live in us and to dwell in us forever. John 14, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit again, and he says this. He's like, listen, I'm going to go, but I'm not leaving you as an orphan. He said, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. One, there's an advocate, a helper to you that's going to come, and he's going to be with you forever. He said, forever. Jesus didn't leave us on our own. He gave us the greatest gift we've ever known, the Holy Spirit to live in us and to dwell in us and to guide us for the rest of our life. So I have a few quick thoughts on the Holy Spirit before we go back into worship and just have a moment to seek God. A few quick thoughts on the Holy Spirit based out of John 16. John 16:7. it says this, I'm gonna read it again. Jesus is talking and he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, It's to your advantage that I leave and go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, he won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And my first thought on the Holy Spirit is simply this. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus said it is better for us. It is actually to our advantage that he goes so that that wasn't like the end of the sentence he says so the Holy Spirit can come not so I go so so you can figure it out and prove to me that you love me and prove to me that 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 you're a Christian I'm not leaving so that you can figure this out on your own he said I'm leaving so the Holy Spirit can come Jesus says we need the Holy Spirit, if, and if it's better for Jesus not to be here, if Jesus says it's better for me not to be here so that you can have the Holy Spirit, how desperately do we need the Holy Spirit? Think about that. Like, doesn't that statement sound backwards? It's better for Jesus not to be here. Like, how many of us, if we're just having an honest moment, how many of us have ever had the thought, how much easier would life be if Jesus was here? Right? How much easier would my life be if Jesus was here? If Jesus was standing here, if He was sitting beside me, like how much easier would life be? I got a question. Hey, Jesus, what's the answer? I got a problem. Jesus, tell me what to do about this. I got a sin. I'm not going to sit by you, Jesus, because you know what I'm doing already and it's going to be a little weird. You know what I mean? But haven't we had that thought? Like, I would be such a better Christian. I'd be such a better person. I wouldn't struggle with these things if Jesus was here. Like, man, Peter, you had it easy. Like, Jesus was there, and you kept on messing up. Like, you walked on water, and then you fell. Like, with Jesus, like, you denied Jesus, and Jesus was here. Like, if I had Jesus here, my life would be incredible. But isn't it weird that Jesus would actually disagree with you in that statement? Isn't it crazy That Jesus would disagree with the fact that it would be better for him to be here right now than for us to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I need to go so that what? Something better for you, something more advantageous to you can come, the Holy Spirit. If Jesus puts this much weight and significance on the importance of believers to be aware and active in communing with the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we? If Jesus puts so much weight and so much significance on that it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we put an equal amount of significance on what it means as Christians to have the Holy Spirit? Why would Jesus say something like this? Why, why would he say that it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit? I was reading a commentary, and I thought that it'd be better for me to just read the passage than try to like make it my own, and it said this. It said, while Jesus was on this earth, All the activities of God revolved around one man in one given place at one time. The miracles, the healing, and the power of God were available through Jesus Christ, God himself, manifest in the flesh. But for Jesus to leave and the Holy Spirit to come meant that the activities of God renewing a saving and broken humanity could now revolve around anyone who placed their faith in Jesus Christ and had the active and alive spirit of the living God living inside of them. While Jesus was here, if I had a question and you had a question and you had a question, we'd have to get a plane ticket, fly over to Israel and find Jesus and talk to Jesus. If Jesus was here, we would have to find Jesus. That's why there were so many crowds gathered around Jesus, because God was operating through Jesus, one man at a specific place and a specific time. But now that Jesus has gone, his spirit has come, and the activities of God now operate in me, and they operate in you, and they operate in any person that accepts Jesus into their life. God's activity can spread from Israel to Judea to America to Colorado to Denver, like God's working can move through the people in whom the spirit of God dwells, the Holy Spirit, and we have access to this spirit 24-7 365 John 14 says he's a gift to us forever, the Bible says, forever, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, he will always be there, and he lives inside of you, if Jesus said, we need the Holy Spirit it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit Then, how desperately, how desperately do we need to understand and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. My second point, or just, or just, I guess, like observation from John 16 on the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide. John 16, 13 says this. It says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will not speak only what he hears. or He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is our guide in life. He is God's personal presence, God himself living and dwelling in our hearts. It's like I said earlier, if you need God to become a Christian, then you need God to be a Christian. If you need God to become a Christian, you need God to live as a Christian. Listen, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of a shepherd, of a guide. The Bible said that Jesus was a shepherd, not vocationally. He wasn't literally a shepherd, but it was saying that he was a shepherd of people. When Jesus came, he shepherded his disciples. He shepherded anybody that would come to him. And uh, I want to say it's 1 Corinthians. Paul calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ. And if Jesus was a shepherd, then the Holy Spirit is the spirit of a shepherd. He's the spirit of a guide, and he's here to guide us through life. Listen, Jesus did not expect you to be able to be a Christian on your own. Jesus did not expect you. He knew how messed up we were. He knew how much we were going to struggle. He knew all the things we were going to come against in life. Jesus did not expect you to be able to be a Christian on your own. Jesus did not expect you to be able to resist temptation on your own. Jesus did not expect you to be able to say no to sin on your own. Jesus didn't expect you to be able to open your Bible and read it and understand God's will for your life on your own. And thank goodness Jesus did not leave us on our own, but he gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us and show us what it means and what it's like to live a life of godliness and to follow after Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our guide. In John 16, he says he's our guide to the truth of God. He said he'll lead us in all truth. He's our, guide. He's our guide to the truth of God for our life, for the will of God for our life, and for the purpose and the future of God for our life. The Holy Spirit is a guide to us. The only problem is when we stop treating the Holy Spirit like a guide and we start treating the Holy Spirit like a doctor, when we, start treat, when we stop treating the Holy Spirit like a guide, but we start treating the Holy Spirit like a doctor. Because here's what happens with the doctor. With the doctor, maybe it's an ER surgeon or maybe it's a family practitioner. You only go see the doctor when something's wrong, right? You only go see the doctor when you need a checkup. You might visit the doctor once, maybe twice a year. But Jesus didn't say, I'm sending you a doctor, Jesus didn't say, I'm sending you a spiritual practitioner, a soul practitioner. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to send you somebody that you can go to and check up on when things are bad. But once things are good, you're on your own now. He didn't say, I'm leaving you with a doctor. He said, I'm leaving you with a helper. I'm leaving you with a helper that will be in you and live in you forever. A helper who is here to guide you. But what is a guide? Like, what does a guide do? What is a guide? A guide is somebody who has been there before and knows how to get you to where you're trying to go. A guide is somebody who knows the destination and they know the best way to get to that destination. The only problem is, or that's why in John 16, he says, I will guide you in all the things to come. He says, the, the Holy Spirit will teach you things that are to come. The Holy Spirit can guide you in the right things to do because he knows what is to come. The Holy Spirit is God. He was there from creation. He'll be there at the end. He knows every breath, every decision, every outcome of every choice you'll ever make in your life. And he's there to guide you in the way that is best for you, the way that will lead you into godliness. Jesus says he will show you the things to come for your life. He will guide you in that. Why? Because he's been there before. He knows the beginning. He knows what job you should take. He knows if you should be in this relationship or not be in this relationship. He knows if you should take that job and move or if you should stay. He knows if you should serve in this church or if you should get planted at a church you attend on Sundays. The Holy Spirit knows what college you should go to. He knows everything about your life. He's been there, and he's here to guide you in that. All you have to do is listen to his guidance. But here's the problem when it comes to having a guide. The problem with the guide is simply this. You are no longer in charge. When you have a guide, when you hire a guide, you are no longer in charge. How, how dumb would it be if you hire a guide somewhere? Let's say you, you go to uh, another country or whatever. Let's say you go to Rome and you want to see all the sights. You've never been to Rome before and you hire a guide. How dumb would it be to hire a guide and then wander around on your own? And then, and then whenever you're, I don't know, have a question or whatever, then just, then just ask your guide. You know what happens when you hire a guide, but you don't follow your guide? You get lost and you get hurt. That's what happens when you hire a guide and you don't follow your guide. And, and, and simply this, if, if the Holy Spirit is our guide, that means we need to relinquish control and relinquish the, the desire to be in charge of our own life and follow his guidance because he's been there before. He's been there before. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. The Bible says he was with you before you were even born. You were a thought in his mind before your parents were ever born. The Holy Spirit knows you, and he knows the plans that he has for your life, and he wants to lead you, and he wants to guide you. It knows. Ben, you guys can come on up. My wife and I had the opportunity um, a couple years ago to go to Africa. We got to go to Rwanda, and we got to go to Kenya. And I'll just tell you straight up, I feel like I'm Rwandan in spirit. Like, my wife and I, my wife and I love Africa. We love Africa, specifically Rwanda. And in and, and Rwanda, it's amazing to see a country that has physically felt the effects of the darkest and the most evil that human nature can cause and at the same time, I've never been to a place that has so much hope, so much purpose, so much sense of the Holy Spirit. That There's this weird, I don't want to say revival, but there's just this, this infectious faith that, that is just surrounding the people of Rwanda. And Aaron and I got to go to Rwanda to visit um, this place called Hope Haven. Um, it's one of the places that Red Rock sponsors. It's an incredible, incredible community that takes kids in poverty, puts them through school. And I didn't even mean to do this, but plug for Hope Haven. Like the kids that go there um, are in like the upper one percentile of like almost like all the surrounding African nations. Like they're little geniuses, and are gonna like change the world. So we went to Hope Haven and we got to see that. And then we went to a bunch of these Compassion International sites. And then afterwards, we went to Kenya for a safari. And I was so pumped for the safari. It is like Lion King, but in real life, like for real. And so we get to this place, it's incredible, it's beautiful, we're staying in these awesome like tents, and there's this giant like Toyota Discovery, or like Land Cruiser, or something like that, and it's like three or four like rows, and it's got like this canopy, but the sides are like open, like you are like you and the animal, like the sides are like open. And, And how dumb would it be for me and Aaron to land in Kenya, to be out in like the Sahara or whatever, and than to just hop in the Land Cruiser and start driving ourselves around. We would have no idea what we're looking for. We've never been there before. We have no idea like where we're going or what we're trying to accomplish. But you know what we got to do? We got to sit in the Land Cruiser with a little blanket over our lap And we got to have this incredible girl who who was uh, Kenyan sit in the car and drive us around and show us. We got to see lions, like real adult grown lions, like just chilling and like laying there. I got to see elephants and and gazelles and, and monkeys and rhinos and alligators. Like they all live together, like just like the Lion King, it's like real. Like it's... The only reason I got to see any of that is because I had a guide who had been there before who knew where things were? Who knew how to take us? Who knew how to keep us safe? Who knew where we needed to go and where we needed to turn and what not to do and what to do? We had a guide, Christian. You have access to the guide that formed the universe. You have access to the guide that knit our universe together. Who knows all the molecular structure of whatever and and breathe life and and. Nothing existed and then he was there and it existed. We have the guide that created everything living inside of us. The Holy Spirit is in us. Jesus has not left us alone. He has given us a helper, an advocate, a comforter, a guide who is there and will be with us every step of the way, not just in bad times, but will show us how to live life minute by minute, day by day, week by week, into the fullness of what God has available to us. The Holy Spirit is our guide, and he's available right here. Right now, if you are a Christian in this room, you have access to the Holy Spirit. My, my only hope was to make you aware of what you actually have access to tonight. My final point real quick as I close is this. The Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 14, it says this. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Jesus says it is our advantage that we have the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit is our guide, our active, alive, present guide in this life. And the Holy Spirit, he says, will always lead you back to Jesus. He will always lead you back to what Jesus did on the cross. He will always lead you back to the grace of Jesus. He will always lead you back to the words of Jesus. He will always lead you back to the empty tomb of Jesus. He will always lead you back to the Lordship of Jesus, to the kingship of Jesus, to the salvation of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close? I believe that there's some of you in here tonight Maybe you've had a rough week, maybe it's been a rough month, maybe it's been a rough year. I believe that there are some of you in here tonight, maybe you walked in here and this week you've fallen back into temptation. Maybe there's been something you've been struggling with your whole life and you felt like you finally got this thing under control, but but you've fallen back. Can you just tonight as we worship, would you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you back to Jesus? Would you allow the Holy Spirit, would you listen to what the Holy Spirit is gonna speak to you? Because he's gonna speak to you words of faith. He's gonna speak to you words of comfort. He's gonna encourage you when you're broken. He's gonna remind you that God is for you and not against you. He's gonna remind you that it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance. Not his wrath, not his anger, but that God loves you. He will always love you. He'll never give up on you. Romans says that there's not angels or demons or heaven or hell that can separate you from the grace of God that's in Jesus Christ. If that's anybody in here, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. If you came in here tonight and you're like, listen, I need the Holy Spirit. I'm a Christian. I believe I have access to the Holy Spirit, but I need some awareness. I need the Spirit to break some chains. Come on, keep on raising your hand. If that's you, I need the Spirit to move in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to fill me up like he's never filled me before. I need the Holy Spirit's presence to be in my life, to guide me, to show me things that I need to know in my life. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. You can put your hands down. I believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna respond to you. I believe that if you lifted your hands, the Holy Spirit's gonna whisper to your heart. I believe that God's gonna silence the noise and you're gonna listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and he's gonna guide you and tell you what to do. He's gonna lavish you with God's love and he's gonna encourage you. Maybe you're in here tonight and you don't know Jesus. You have no idea who this Holy Spirit person is, but maybe you're in here tonight and you're like, man, I'm gonna be honest, it would be awesome to have a guide in life that knows everything. It would be awesome to have somebody that can coach me through life, that can encourage me through life. I believe right now, like I genuinely believe in my heart, there might just be one person, but I believe there is somebody in this room, or on the internet, under the sound of my voice, there is somebody in this room that your heart is just beating inside of you, and you feel like you're just wrestling, and maybe you don't have the words, maybe you couldn't even begin to put vocabulary to what you feel like is happening in your heart. Can I tell you right now, that is the Holy Spirit of God calling you home. Romans 8 tells us that we don't owe our sinful life a single thing, but he says this. He says, the Spirit beckons us. Come. There's things to do. There's places to go. There's salvation to be had. There's grace to be had. There's healing to be had. There's forgiveness to be had. Come. The Holy Spirit is saying, come, and all you have to do in this moment is open up your heart to God and say, Jesus, I accept what you did for me, and Holy Spirit, I invite you into my heart. If that's you, would you boldly raise your hand? If you want to accept Jesus, you want to invite the Holy Spirit into your heart, Come on, if that's you, would you raise your hand? I'm believing that somebody out there, they just feel this tug on their heart, and it's the Holy Spirit whispering God's love for you. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Can we pray together as we go to worship? Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we're thankful that you didn't leave us to be on our own. You didn't just pay for our sin and leave us to figure this out but you sent us your very presence, your very power, the spirit of the living God who raised Christ from the dead to be active and alive in our heart. And so, God, I pray right now as we worship that your Holy Spirit Spirit begin to speak life over people's situations. God, would your spirit prophesy what could be in this room? What could be in these people's lives? If there's anybody in here that is broken or hurting, Holy Spirit, would you call them to the vision and the life that you have for them? Would you fill them with purpose? And Holy Spirit, for the people whose hearts you were knocking on for the very first time, I pray that as they believe in their heart and confess Jesus with their mouth, you would make your- your home in them. I just believe in all of my heart that somebody in here tonight is walking out a different person that will not even be able to recognize the person that they were before they stepped into this room. Jesus, we love you. Father God, we love you. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Minister to us as we worship you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen.